Good morning, and welcome to another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada, and today I'm looking up at famine. Earlier today and this week, I'm doing a short series of God's four sore or severe judgments. And one of those is famine, which I looked at earlier today uh, from a spiritual point of view, biblical point of view. This one, I'm looking at famine as famine itself. It is truly saddening to see these things happening in the world and see them happen in the past when we read the Bible, because I glory in his promises coming true, but some of those promises also mean suffering and death for many. And death for the unsaved means an eternity away from God. So in um, this essay, I had done some research and found a news article that actually said, quote, the striking images of the landscape seem to represent a deceptively simple assessment of the drought, the dirty work of mother nature, unquote. And that article had been looking at drought and famine. And that's what the secular world sees and thinks, mother nature. Although Romans 1 says that they know God exists, They suppress that truth in unrighteousness and instead worship idols, which one of which is Mother Nature. It is the Lord, actually, who sends the rain for the crops, Psalm 147.8. It is the Lord who sends it to the obedient, Leviticus 26.4. He appoints seasons in his own authority, Acts 1.7. And also Acts 14, 17, he grows the crops, he sends the seasons, and he controls the weather for our benefit and to his glory. But sometimes he can and does reverse that process when we, as a society somewhere in the world, fail to thank him or refuse to acknowledge his authority, etc. That is the spiritual fact. But... Onto a practical level, famine is both biological and social. It occurs to a person individually, while it is also happening to all the others around him. And unlike plague, where sick sick people are quarantined or privately sequestered or too insentient to socially connect, Famine leaves the individual able to share in it with others. Robert Dirks, in his article at academia.edu, said, quote, When starvation becomes a mass experience, the phenomenon is no longer purely biological. And that's what famine does. It's sneaky because the population has no clue that this crop failure will lead to a continual shortage. They don't know that this lack of monsoon rains might lead to a permanent drying out. It's only after successive failures or continual absence of expected weather that it becomes apparent that food isn't coming. By then, malnourishment or even early stages of starvation have already set in. 
The biological consequences of famine begin with scarcity. Then it moves to malnourishment, elevates to starvation, and finishes with famine. That means widespread starvation. Starvation happens when the energy demands of the biological unit exceeds supply. And did you know that technically starvation begins in anyone four to six hours after the last meal, when the body has broken down all that is able to be used and no new food is forthcoming yet. However, since a person living in a healthy culture will then consume more food within a reasonable period after the last meal, we never really feel or the effects of um, starvation. But after a day or so, with no new food coming, putting, fueling our biology, dehydration begins, hypoglycemia, and ketosis. After 24 hours of no food, there are impacts to the tissues as loss outpaces fat. And as starvation continues after 24 hours, exhaustion sets in, there's a decreased tolerance for work, People move more slowly, and they adopt an energy-saving posture. Dirks, again, from his article said, quote, In mobilizing its reserves, the body progressively selects fat over muscle as fuel, allowing life to be sustained for one to three months in acute starvation. Things go rapidly downhill from there, though with all sorts of things happening to the individual's biology when famine is present. As you can see, famine in an individual happens quickly. Though famine takes a long time to set up, when it hits, the body, mind, and soul shrivel, shrivel pretty quickly. I had said above in the first few sentences that Mother Nature was blamed in that particular article I read. But in addition, war also precipitates famine. War does have a devastating connection with famine. In Revelation 6, first there's war, then there's scarcity, then there's death. Those are the seal judgments in Revelation, seal judgments 2, 3, and 4. In history, famine has almost always followed war. As the Red Cross says when they discuss humanitarian aid, quote, the fact must be faced that food alone will never eliminate famines nor the suffering they cause. It still falls short of meeting the victim's needs and appears essentially inadequate to solve their problems, unquote. That's because there are complex reasons for famine that include war, conflict, and strife in addition to weather and water. Famine is destructive to those societies where malnourishment is always present. So soon after initial starvation sets in, quite often financial ruin and disease take over. For some societies, they may at first adapt to conditions that in many cases don't affect them. There is such a thing as class famine, quote unquote, class famine. We see that in Revelation 6.6, 6, that millions starve 
unable to afford more than a loaf of bread, even though they worked all day, while in Revelation 18, 13, we see that all the while, a hefty trade in food luxuries had been ongoing. Quote, cinnamon and incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, unquote. So in that case, there are the very rich and the very poor. And you can bet the very rich are not and will not be affected by famine. In the future tribulation periods, the predicted scarcities will be characterized by class famine. Sociological studies show that at first, people share when disaster strikes, but as the disaster continues, or as supplies run short, sharing stops. Starvation's biological effects are that people become exhausted and irritable, and volatile situations erupt. Populations tend to migrate too, looking for better conditions. The 1901 Indian Famine Commission called that, quote, unusual wandering, unquote. If you add all that to the prophecy that says in the last days, love will grow cold, Matthew 24, 12, where people are unthankful, 2 Timothy 3, 2 to 4, and that their thoughts are only evil continuously, Matthew 24, 37, then you can see that violence would soon become the norm when people are physiologically least able to handle it due to lack of food. So let me sum up the ivory tower talk. Famines have always occurred and will continue to occur, followed by the worst brought out in people who are marauding hither and yon, looking for anything they can steal so they can stay alive. Violence will break out, and a true Darwinian human survival of the fittest will be played out in front of atheists everywhere, with the starving, exhausted, falling where they lay, dying by degrees while no neighbor cares. But let's look to Jesus. Jesus cares. His famines may be one of his four severe judgments, yes, but he does that to alert rebellious people that he is still in control and he is still holy. His control includes an eternal and infinite love for his children. He wants us to turn from carnal thoughts and rebellious hearts and lifting up of idols like mother nature and replace those with perfect thoughts and spiritual infinity in his love. As long as you, dear listener, have not rejected him and slammed the door shut against him, you can enter heaven by Jesus who is the door if you repent of your sins. He is the door and he stands ready to allow all who would believe to enter. John 10, 9. Who, what is beyond that door? Not war, not famine, not exhaustion, not violence. Jesus is there. Peace, love, contentment, fulfillment. 
The gospel is exclusive because Jesus is the only way. The gospel is inclusive because any person can accept Jesus as their savior and forgiver of their sins. I hope you enter into his rest and escape all the tribulation things. Pray to Jesus that you know and understand that you are a sinner, unworthy to enter his realm, and ask him to forgive those sins. Since he is sinless and died as the sacrifice for your sins, your debt is paid. Do it soon, beloved friend, if you have not already. Do it soon. Well, this has been another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you.